That boy is just no trouble at all. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. I'm going to read this. Um, let, me, let me just start off by saying something. As we begin to talk about prosperity, the Bible says more about money than it does prayer. Money is spiritual. Money is spiritual. It's not wrong to talk about it in church. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why the gospel has not gone further, is Satan sold the church a lie that poverty and humility were equal. They're not. They're not at all. So we're going to do something this morning. We're, I'm going to talk about four different things, to, not just today, but next, next Sunday and the following Sunday, I know, maybe the one after that. Why are some Christians against the prosperity message? We're going to talk about why. We're going to find the root of that. There's nothing wrong with preaching against covetousness. But covetousness and prosperity are not the same thing. Thank you all. Because when you hear people on, 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 inter, on the internet talking about the prosperity message as though there's something wrong with that, what they're really talking about is covetousness. What would you do if I said all sex is wrong? That'd be some condemnation, wouldn't it? Adultery is. But sex is not. Money is not wrong. Covetous, coveting money is wrong. So we're going to talk about why people believe that and the root of it, and you're going to be amazed when you find out why it is. The second thing we're going to talk about is that I will not be talking about economizing. I'm not going to stand up in this pulpit and teach you how to take the little bit of money you have and make it run a long ways. How to take your $300 and pay all of your rent and, and make your car payment and have a little bit left over. I'm not going to talk about that at all. I'm going to talk about you increasing to where that's no longer a problem. God don't want you broke. And even though there is a place for Dave Ramsey and people in this earth like that that talk about how to make your money go long, it is a whole lot nicer to walk in a restaurant and order what you want to eat and not wonder whether you have the money to pay for it. Amen. The, second, the, thir the third thing is, is God against you having money? We're going to talk about his attitude toward it. And then we're going to talk about was Jesus poor? He was not. Do you have a treasurer? He did. You can't have a treasurer if you don't have any money. Thank you all. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna debunk a lot of junk you've heard. But, uh, but the goal is, you guys have been a real blessing to this church, but uh, we have a lot more to do, and so some of you guys need to become millionaires, and I'm tired of you being broke. Amen. I say that in jest. I'm just playing with y'all. Don't get mad at me. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. What a powerful scripture, amen. Verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He has the ability to give you grace. So first of all, what is rich? What, what does it mean when I say God wants you rich? What does the word rich mean? It means a full supply. God did not make the earth and all of the money here for the mafia. And all of the wicked men on the earth. He did not do that. Satan knows it and understands it. If you think there's a shortage of money, you need to go to Naples and get in a boat and drive down the waterway and look at every hundred million dollar house as you drive mile after mile after mile after mile. There's no shortage of money. Not on this planet. And we're going to get into that and we're going to talk about that. But the Bible says God is able to make all grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God. The word saved is the word sozo. The word healed is the word sozo. The, all, the word deliverance is the word sozo. That scripture was, is talking about the new birth, but it's not just talking about the new birth. You are saved, healed, delivered, and, and poverty is broken off of you by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Grace is more in your life than just going to heaven. God gives you grace to do for yourself what you cannot do for yourself. You couldn't save yourself and you cannot make you rich, but God is able to make you rich and to give you exceeding abundantly, exceeding, exceeding means exceeding all that you can ask or think above anything you could even ask or think and give it to everybody on the earth. So having said that, we're going to have to break some, some poverty mentalities here. So I want you to go to Genesis 13. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to, I'm going to let them put it on the screen. 13, 1 through 2. Genesis 13, 1 through 2. And I want you to, we're going to start off by talking about the fact that it's not a sin to be rich. As long as you think there's something inherently wrong with you having money, which is, re- which is religious thinking. You will never have any. Because, you're, now don't, do, do me a favor, don't run around criticizing people with money because that'll stop it from coming to you. The people with money will not be broke because you don't like them. They're going to prosper whether you are nice or not. You being anti-prosperity, the only person that hurts is you. You will be broke if you preach it and talk it and think it. So i got to get you over this idea that somehow or another, poverty and Christianity are synonymous. They are not. So let me just, let's read read the scripture. 13.1. And Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife and all he had and lot with him to the south. And Abram was very what? Didn't say he was rich. Said he's very rich. 
So let me ask you a question since he's the father of faith. Does it say anywhere in the Bible that God says, no, 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 Abraham, no, no, no. That is wrong. Who made Abram rich? God did. God did not sin making Abram rich. He's the father of faith. We're supposed to look at him as our standard. Boy, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm fixing it. We're going to go good today. Abraham wasn't just rich. He was very rich. Now, you see, some of you have a lid that says too much. We're going to get into what too much is because everybody has a complete different definition of that word. There is no standard of, of, too, of too much. He was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Now, you can't read that and say, well, he was spiritually rich. God wanted you to understand he ain't talking about he was spiritual. They're silver and gold. I'll guarantee you mama had gold earrings. Mama had a gold necklace. He had a gold. Jesus has a gold girdle that would hair lip every Pentecostal on the planet. I'm talking about gaudy, anybody. I mean, he ain't got no WWMA belt, man. He got this huge belt of solid gold. Got to be worth millions of dollars. And just sports all around everywhere he goes. Amen. So the Bible says Abram was very rich. And we understand that because he obeyed God and he's the, our father in the faith, God made him rich. And now you understand why all Jews believe in prosperity. All Jews do. That's why they have names like Goldenstein and Goldsmith and Silversmith. If you see gold and silver in a name, they're Jewish. When you read history about World War I and World War II, do you know the reason that, that Hitler hated the Jews? Do you know why he hated the Jews? Because the Jews ran the economy in Germany and they had all of the money. Everywhere they go, they take over all of the money. God wants you to take over all of the money. He wants you to have all of the money. He wants the world to borrow money from you. You never heard this before, did you? Well, you're going to this week and next week. Because I'm going to get you out of this stinking thinking so God can help you just a little bit. All right. Job 42, verse 10. Let's go to Job. God hates poverty. I want you to hate it. I don't mean hate people. If you're poor, do not get in condemnation. I'm not preaching condemnation on you. I'm going to help you get out of it. I'm going to help you get out of it. And we're not going to talk about you working harder. I'm not talking about you going from 50 hours a week to 60, and 60 to 70. Abram sat on his glorious hallelujah in his tent and did nothing all day, and God made him rich. The cows made cows, and the goats made goats. 
we got a lot to talk about. And the Lord, now, now listen to this about, before we get started. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. This is pre-Abraham. Um, and Job was the richest man in the earth. There was nobody on the earth richer than Job. So when you read this, you need to understand God is not a socialist. Now, I'm, we're going to get in to, to money, and we have to start helping the younger generation who believe in socialism. Socialism's from hell. God don't want you involved in socialism. If you want socialism, let me help you out. We'll just help you. There's a lot of people in Cuba that would swap places with you, and we will send you over. You can live there. Cuba, Venezuela, whichever one you want to go to. You want to go there, we just send you. And then swap you with someone over there that wants to come over and loves America. The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, here's a man that's a billionaire, and God gave him twice as much. Now, why in the world is God wanting to make a billionaire richer than a billionaire? Because he can. Oh, what does he need all that money for? He don't need it. Thank you all. It ain't about need. Why? Let's just slow up a little bit. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. What in the world did God put that in the Bible? Whatever you desire. Didn't say anything about God. Whatever God wants me to have, I'll have what God wants. That's not what it said. Why would he tell you he would give you desires if having desires is wrong? If it's wrong to desire, there ain't anybody that don't like bling bling. Especially young girls. They like bling, bling, bling. Young men, let me tell you something about girls. You can be ugly and get a pretty girl. I proved it. Man, I'm going to tell you, you take them out to a nice restaurant. You take them to no Taco Bell. And tell them to leave their wallet at home. Let them order anything they want. When you show up at the door, you show up with flowers in your hand for her and a, and a bouquet for mama because you better get mama on your side. And you wash your car. Don't you drive up in no old clangy old piece of junk. You go over to Cody and ask him to borrow his car or something like that. Or Steve, his, his vet or his Lexus. You, you drive up in something nice and take her to a nice restaurant and wine her and dine her and then let her order anything and then, then order dessert and you split it with her because neither one of you need that. <laughs> and you pull the chair out for her and you treat her like a lady and you bless her. Amen. Amen. Now, when you, when, when, when you take her home, she won't be thinking about the boy next door who ain't, who riding around on a bicycle. He might be tall, dark, and handsome, but, you, but he ain't got a, it ain't nothing he can do now. You done won this fight. This happens all the time. The prettiest girls in college marry the ugliest guys because ugly guys know they have to be nice. That ain't even in my notes. I don't know where all that comes from. I used to bring Lisa over to the house and cook her shrimp and steak and crab cakes and salad and, 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 
I mean, that boyfriend she had, he just went bye-bye. I don't know what happened to that guy. I invited him to the wedding. He didn't come. <laughs> Proverbs 8, are you ready for this? Y'all ready? I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth, I hate it. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign. Rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule. And all the judges of the earth, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. That means you don't get a money and then it just leaves. You get it and it stays with you. My fruit's better than gold and fine gold. My revenue choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth and I may fill their treasures. That's the will of God. That's what the wisdom of God will do for you. So let's go back to grace. It says that he's given you all grace and he has caused all grace to abound to you. What is grace? Grace is God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. It is undeserved favor. That means God wants to favor you simply because you're his child and you're his son and you're his daughter. Don't drive up in a raggedy car with a bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus. So I'm going to tell you a story. When I got born again and I moved here to Orlando area, I became the youth pastor at Tom Copeland's church. Loved those teenagers. I loved every one of them. They were, Melanie Hayward was in that group. She was a little girl. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to her at that time. She had the figure 10, 10, 10, if I'm not mistaken. But um, there was a lot of, just loved those kids. And, and I loved what I did, and I loved preaching the gospel. And you know, God blessed me for that. And Tom could not afford me. He couldn't afford to, to pay me, but I, I did the job anyway. And he rented a house and made that the youth, and I lived there for free, and I guess that was my pay. But I had to work a secular job, and I went out and I was a block mason. Well, because of faith in God and prosperity and tithing, I believed in being blessed and whatever I desire, when I pray, believe I receive it and I shall have it. So I got me a, pic, a truck, a, a picture, and I'm going to teach you all how to do this, a picture of my pickup truck, and I bought me a 1986 Toyota four-wheel drive. It didn't have the double cab, but at that time it had that little extra cab for the, if you had little kids, you could shove them behind the seat and they could sit back there. Nobody bigger could sit back there. But anyway, I worked construction, and I made $11 an hour, and we were building the hotels on iDrive. I'm the only new truck out there. I want you to think about that a minute. I'm working construction, and I'm driving a new truck because God is good to me. And everyone else has what I call bondo mobiles. Do you know what they asked me? Morgan? Are you running drugs? Why do people associate money with sin? You know why? They never seen anybody that was born again had any. 
That's why they don't want to stay in church and they want to backslide so they can have some money. So they would come to me and they'd say, Morgan, we notice you go to the islands once a month. Are you running drugs? I said, I'm preaching the gospel. And they said, oh, don't give me that. I said, well, I'm tithing. They said, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't believe that. And I said, well, what are you driving? Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's a testimony to a sinner for you to drive a nice vehicle? You say God is a good God and what you drive and you don't know whether it's going to get you home? You're not, that's not a testimony to God. So don't think that that truck didn't cause a lot of trouble at work because everybody kept asking me every day, where are you getting your money? I said, I tithe. They said, you can't tell me that you've given the preacher money and you have more money than us. I said, well, it does work because God doesn't lie. You, I'm, they, that, the door's wide open for me to preach. God don't want you broke. It is a bad testimony for you, to, for you to be broke and call yourself a Christian. Abram was rich. Job was rich. And Jesus was rich. I didn't read this a while ago. I want to go back over there again. I didn't read it. And I'm just, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You don't mind me taking a little, go a little slow here, do you? Because listen, I got, I got to undo a lot of stuff. I mean... Uh, uh, preachers have, have decided not to preach on prosperity because, you know, it might upset somebody. Well, I, you know, I just figured that some of you don't like me anyway, so guess that didn't. <laughs> I say that. I mean, there's always somebody don't like you. Jesus says, woe if all men speak well of you. I don't have that woe. 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by your diligence to others. He's talking about giving. He's talking about giving. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, when was he rich? When he walked the earth. First of all, he's Jewish. That ought to be more than enough right there. But listen to me. Did he ever go broke? Did he ever lack? Never. How, how do you call someone broke who feeds 5,000 people and their family. They ain't broke. You ain't broke. When they, when, what, what do you think the kings from the east brought him when he was two? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They, ain't no poor baby Jesus got gold. He's a king. He walked the earth as a king. He never lacked anything. You say, well, he multiplied fish. Well, that doesn't mean he didn't have any money. It didn't mean he wasn't running around. Listen, he's got a treasurer. I said that a while ago. You don't need a treasurer if you don't have any money. How many of y'all have a treasurer? Not yet. Not yet. Look around the room. Y'all are, y'all, most of y'all have at least some money, but, but you don't have anybody. Jesus is taking care of 10, 12 families. That's called a corporation. And he's got a man with the money bag, which means there's money, and then they gave money to the poor, which means it wasn't him. You can't give money to the poor if you're poor. So when was Jesus rich? He's not talking about spiritually rich. 
He was spiritually rich, but he was also physically rich. They gambled for his clothing. They won't, at your funeral, no one will be up here wanting your jeans. <laughs> what does that tell you about the garments? It said it was seamless. Honey, that's it takes a lot of money to make a seamless garment. He, he dressed real well. Now think about that. You know through the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich on the earth, yet for your sake he became poor. When did he become poor? At the cross. They stripped him of everything, including his dignity, and he died on the cross and went down to the region of the damned. That was when he became poor. And why did he become poor? So you could become what? Not just spiritually. Poverty, the, the, Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. What is the curse? It's poverty, sickness, and death. Poverty is a curse. It's a, per it's a curse to be broke. If you don't have any money, you, the devil's got your money, and I'm going to teach you how to get God because of the blood of Jesus, not because you're pretty and not because you go out of here and work harder. It's because of the blood of Jesus, God's going to begin to favor you. You're redeemed from poverty, you're redeemed from sickness, and you're redeemed from spiritual death. Your, new, the, the, the Christian, your salvation does not begin when you die, it began the day you were born again. How do you live as a king in the earth with holy genes? I had holy genes when I got saved because I was poor. I'm not picking on your clothing. Oh, maybe a little bit I am, maybe a little bit I am. <laughs> for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that's at the cross, so you through his poverty might become rich. A full, full supply, a full supply. Now why, why am I using the word full supply? God wants you to have enough money so that when someone wants some, you can look around and go, well, I don't need it. The kids ask me every, every September and every Christmas, what do you want? And I go, well, what I want, y'all don't have the money for. Everything, listen, I, already, I mean, I already have all the guns I want. I don't have all the ammo I want because I just can't seem to find enough of that right now or primers. But, but, but what I want so is a Cessna 182. That's what I want. That's next on my agenda because I'm, I'm tired of catching airlines anyway. So... Are y'all out there or did you go home? Okay. You, get to, you got to get to the place to where you're not sitting around trying to wonder whether you have the money to pay for your bills and to pay for the food and, and your kid's Christmas is coming up and, and you're sitting back trying to figure out how to give them a $20 gift certificate. No, 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 no. Don't shout me down. God wants you to have a full supply. All right, now let, let's see where I'm going for this. Grace, okay, yeah, yeah, 
don't know if I want to do that. Go to Genesis 30. Pop it up on the screen. 30, 27. I'm, I'm just going to go over there. We see that Abraham was rich, Job was rich, Jesus was rich. Now, now let's talk about the other, the other patriarchs a little bit. And I want to show you what favor will do. He says he was able to make all grace and favor abound to you. That means that God is going to cause people to bless you. That's, in, that's, that's huge. Genesis 30, verse 27. Um, I don't think, that's, I'm in Exodus. How do I keep going to the wrong book in the Bible? I've done that. I did that last service too. Lord, I know you don't want me over there. Laban said, please stay. If I have found favor, turn me up. I'm going on and on. Please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, I have learned by experience the Lord blessed me for your sake. Because you are here, the blessing has come. I can see it on you. And now God's blessing me. I told my boss one time, and I was being serious. I worked for Weber and Tucker. I said, you need to keep me employed. God will keep business coming to you for me. He said, somebody's doing it. I said, it's me. I said, my father loves me. And you will never lack work as long as I'm employed. You say, well, that's pretty arrogant. No, I just believe. I mean, are you the righteousness of God? Does God love you? Does he say he cares for you? He cares about, he wants me to work. And so he's going to have to bless the business so I can work. And now we see there's favor came on Laban because, because um, what's his name was there? Jacob was there. Also, verse um, 31.7, let's, let's go over there and read that. He says, your father's deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Listen, listen there's bad people out there, but favor will keep them from harming you. They can't rob you. Well, they'll end up harming themselves. Favor, you want grace. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Grace is more important than money because it causes it. That means that you have jobs when no one else has jobs. You have work when no one else has work. Your business prospers when no one else's business is prospers. Your car runs when everybody else is broke. Are you out there? I'm, I'm telling you, favor is an awesome thing. Jesus had favor on it. Joseph, I'm not going to get into Joseph. Um, Genesis 39.3, they sold Joseph into slavery. They mistreated him. You're talking about a victim. He's a victim. But he ended up... Uh, everywhere he went, 
he had favor. They put him in jail, and, he, and before long, he's running the jail. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, that's grace. That's favor. Yeah. When I worked, listen, I'm just going to slow up a minute here and, and, and show you something. When I got born again, I was on unemployment, and I was supernaturally broke. But the day I got born again, started learning about tithing, I got a job at a factory in Athens, Georgia, called Certainteed. Now, I, boy, you're talking about a bad place to work. I told God, I said, I thought Jesus died for all my sins. Why well, you put me in a fiberglass plant? <laughs> well, I got a job there, and the Lord gave me these instructions. I want you to work as unto me. And we're going to get into talking about how to conduct yourself in the business world. I can't do it today. It's going to take a little while to get to that. When I went to work there, the Lord said, I want you to work as unto me. I want you here early. I, want you to, I don't want you to leave at the end of the day. Finish your job. Do, work like you own this plant. Amen. I began to work like that. I began to work as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike Nacera, the plant manager, came out one day, and he's watching me work. And he, he looks at me. Now, this is, now the, when the plant manager stops to look at an employee, you are not like everyone. Of course, I, wasn't, I, didn't, I didn't know it was going to cause this. But the Lord said to me, you're on this roll-up machine, and you want off of it. I want you to work hard. Yeah. Do a good, give him his day's wage. He, he hired you, and now I want you to work. So I work it. So the, the, the plant manager pulls me off to the side as I was going for my break, and he says, why do you work like you do? Because, see, most people work in a fiberglass plant. They're just trying to do the least they can do to get by and make a paycheck. Well, the Lord told me, he said, don't you do that. And I, and I said this. I wasn't being smart to him. I've matured some, but I wouldn't say this now. I said, well, I don't really work for you. And he laughed and said, well, who do you work for? I said, I work for the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I got born again, and he told me if I was, if he got me this job, and he told me to work as in him. He said, well, I don't know who you're working for, but you're doing a good job. <laughs> Mike came out after that and said, any job you want in this plant, name it. That didn't happen to everybody. It started happening to me. I said, well, get me off this roll-up. I'm at the machine at the end of the fiberglass where all of the, all of the fiberglass is coming in my face, all for eight straight hours on a roll-up machine, and half of the time the tapers didn't work. And it's a fight, man. I'm just sweating, and I leave home. I leave, I got fiberglass stuck to my body. That's, that's, and there's no air conditioning in this place. I said, well, I want off this machine. I went out in the warehouse, and a guy named Buck, he said, and, and, he's, and he thinks he's going to pick on me because I'm a Christian, and I'm the, I'm the plant manager's pet. I didn't, I didn't ask to be the plant manager's pet. And he said, Morgan, you load three and a half trucks a day or I'll run you out of here. Plant manager or no plant manager. And I'm like, and when I walked away, the Lord said, four. You will load four trucks every day. I said, well, you're trying to kill me. So help me, God, I loaded four trucks every day. The sun came up. I went to work to work. They came out right after that, and I'm telling you this story for a reason. This is very, very important. Mike came out and said, we need a manager of the tool crib. And we have to, by law, give it to whoever has the most seniority. And you have none. You've only been here a few months. But we want you to have the job. So we have created another requirement. 
It's whoever knows the most about tools and tool cribs. What do you know? I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, come in tonight and we're going to train you to where when you take the test, you know more than anyone in this factory. And secretly, they trained me. Say favor. favor. God is kissing me. I took the test, aced it 100% and got the job. That got me also a day job, and I began to run the maintenance tool crib. The man, Mike, Mike Nacera, is grooming me for plant manager. Folks, I was a hippie. I was a dope-smoking hippie two or three months before this. And all of a sudden, God is favoring me above everyone in this plant. And I walked in one day and said, the Lord said to go to Oklahoma. And Mike Nacera broke down and cried like a baby. He said, my God, I've never had anybody like you. Wow. When's the last time your boss called you in and said, we've never seen anyone like you? It's quiet in this Baptist church. Favor. After that, and I'm not going to get into it right now, but after I had the argument with God in the truck, over-tithing, over-giving. A year later, I was out of debt. God, listen, folks, my Heavenly Father kissed me. I not only got a job and I got out of debt, but I was making money hand over fist. And then he said, we'll talk about this later, go to Tulsa. I went to work at Roger Hardesty Company and when I left there, I was the top maintenance man in the second largest builder west of the Mississippi River. And I came here to be a youth pastor, and people said, you came here for the money. I could have stayed there for the money. I didn't do this for the money. But God said, and I'm not going to disobey my father, We'll talk about that a little later too. So J Jacob had favor. Joseph had favor. And look at Luke 2.51. Look at it on the screen. I want you to see this. And he went down with them. I don't think that's it. Go to 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom, statue, and in favor with God and man. God wants you to have grace on you. Grace will make you rich. That's, a, that's quite a thing to say, isn't it? It'll make you wealthy. It's more than just the new birth. So that you will be a blessing. God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Now that means God's going to bless you for what reason? so that you can become a blessing. All right, we're going to go to page two now. John 12, is Jesus a socialist? He's not. John 12, now we're going to start now and we're going to talk about, well, you'll see. 
John 12, 1. It seems to me, every time you talk about money, the reason that people have a problem is there is a mindset that there's only so much. Now, just hold on as I go here. Because when I'm where I'm going now is, is huge. Where I'm going now is huge. If I came in here with a pizza... And, uh, and I laid it up here and I said, you know, cut, cut me eight slices. And Lisa gets up and starts cutting with her little wheel. And she makes one slice big, which means the other slice is little. She gives me the big slice and gives Josh Brown the little slice. Now what that means is that if I get a big slice, someone is going to lose out. That is the mindset of socialism, and that is the mindset the church has. The problem with that is you are unaware that there are 100,000 pizzas in the kitchen. Do you understand? God ain't broke. There is no shortage in God. Just because Josh got a piece of a pizza doesn't mean there's not other boxes. He can eat until he's gorged, and then we're still going to throw pizza away. Are y'all out there to go home? So I'm going to show you something from the Bible. Let me read this scripture. Uh, no, no, yes, no, yes, no. Let, let, me, oh. let me just say this. God's asked me this question one time because I'm driving down the road in my, in my car, I'm making $20 a day at Rama, working. Even though God got me out of debt, I still have a poverty mentality. In other words, I've gone from the land of not enough to the land of just enough, but I've never learned to enter into the land of more than enough. And I wasn't at the land of more than enough yet. And I'm driving down the road, and I'm listening to a cassette tape, remember them, of a preacher who had an elevator in his house to go down and pray. And when I heard that he got in his elevator to go pray, I'm in my car, no one in there but me and God. And I didn't even know he was in there. And I hollered in my car, that's wrong. I just screamed, I bellowed out. And I said, Lord, that's wrong. He thought I was talking to him. And then he said, what's wrong with that? And, and I said, he should have taken that money and given it to the poor. Now, I said, I said that. Who am I thinking about? Me. I ain't thinking about the poor. I'm thinking about me. And the Lord says, we should be fair should we not? And I said, absolutely. He said, he should sell the elevator and divide the money up with the poor. Well, there are 7 billion people on the earth. Three quarters of them are poor. How much money would you get out of one elevator if they divided the money up equally? One penny, if that. Does that fix your problem? Wouldn't fix mine either. So the Lord asked me a question. 
Now, he's interested in me because I'm the one that said this. He said, what would have happened had not Adam died? How many people would be on the earth? There's a lot, but I have a number for y'all. Are y'all ready? How many people are on the earth right now? Six, seven billion, maybe eight. Seven trillion, 772 billion, 850,162 people. And we're not talking about them having babies. You're thinking, aren't you? How in the Sam Hill did God ever expect to feed those people? I'm going to come over here a minute. Seven trillion. And everyone eating. And everyone rich. Say Shonda. Shonda. Now God asked me this question. There's no shortage of money. God is able to do exceeding, abundant. He can feed 7 trillion people and make them all wealthy. If they're all dead, all of their money's here. There's a lot of money laying around somewhere. That's, say, that's good. That is very good. Now, he asked me this question. I had no answer for him. And then he said, during the millennial reign, people will not die early, and they will all be blessed. Where is the wealth coming from? He said, it's here. What I just said is if every human on the earth had a jet, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have scratched his wealth. Wow. Say it again backwards. Wow. All right, let's go down another road here. One apple, how many seeds? Thirteen. How many trees is that? Plant thirteen trees. How many apples would that make? Thousands. Take all the seeds out. Plant, or plant, plant those. How many trees is that? 100,000? Take all the seeds out of that planet. In 10 years, you'd have more apples so that every person on the earth that ever lived could have 100 apples a day and throw the rest in the trash because they're rotten. That's just apples. How long does an apple tree and apple seeds work? Forever. How long are we going to be on this earth? Forever. How long is the wealth going to last? Forever. Do you think there's a shortage there is no such thing as shortage. Only in your mind. And you learned it from the world. That is the reason why Mark Hankins can have a jet and he doesn't have your money. Are y'all out there? You can be rich and you don't have someone else's money. What am I doing? I'm getting rid of a poverty mindset in you. That somehow or another, the people that are running up down the streets right now screaming reparations, if, if they got born again and got on their face before God and got out from under the curse of the law, he would make them rich and they wouldn't have to rob stores and burn down buildings. Amen. 
which is stupid. Nobody owes you anything. Who's the first people to ever in, in, introduce the world to slavery? The Africans are. They enslaved the Jews. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know that made you mad. Slavery hadn't been, it wasn't begun in America. It's been going on since the beginning of time. Wow. So let me ask you another question. How much water was here during the flood? Say a lot. Where is it? It didn't go to outer space. Well, then why do we have signs on the side of the road and water shortage don't water your grass? When God's got rock springs down there pumping water out 100,000 gallons every few minutes to feed one alligator. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm preaching real good right now. All right, let me ask you another question. Is there a gas shortage? How many stars are out there? What are they made out of? I'm going to come over here and preach. There are, if our sun was a BB, there are stars out there the size of a popka. Say, that's a lot of gas. What's it for? I'm trying to show you something. God don't know nothing about no shortage. Your father, I'm not talking about the devil. I'm talking about God, your father, is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all you ask or think, according to... To him who's working on the inside of you, which is the power that brought Jesus out of hell. Oh, I'm doing real good now. So poverty and lack is man-made. All right, now I'm going to read my scripture. Oh, man, it's 12 o'clock. John 12, and six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who'd been dead, and he was raised from the dead, and they made him a supper. And Martha served, and Lazarus was one of them who sat at the table with him. And Mary took a pound of very costly oil and spikenard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped her hair with her hair. That, that, that oil was worth one year's wages. That's just what it was worth. <clears throat> and the house is filled with the fragrance of the oil. And one of the disciples, now I thank you, Jesus, for John, because he told on Judas. Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was the oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now listen to what he says. And he said not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief. All right, I'm going to try to close. Why do people talk about the prosperity message? Because they're crooks. Mm -hmm. If they wanted money, all they got to do is do what God told them to do. So in that, my car that day, the Lord said to me, do you know what your trouble is? He, he apparently thinks that I have trouble. He said, you have no faith. 
Is it possible for me to use my faith and get God to bless me? Yes. If I was broke, it wasn't the preacher with the elevator's fault. If you're broke, it's not my fault. It's yours. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, before you start thinking that I'm taking up an offering right now for me, why don't you men take your wife out to this mall and buy her a dress? He didn't say anything in there about preachers and churches. He said, give and it shall be given. Ladies, that cranky old man you're married to, what does he like to eat? You've been preaching at him for years and he hadn't gotten saved. Why don't you make him dinner? Won't you take him in the bedroom and kiss his, kiss his face off of him? I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> this is fun, isn't it? I went out with Mark Hankins one day, and, and I'm just going to tell you this. I'm, gonna try my, I'm trying to close. And we were at, um, what's the fish place? No, the other one down by the Bonefish Grill. Waitress came by, and I gave her a 20% tip. Mark reached over and took it out of my hand and looked at it and said, don't ever do that around me again. And he threw it at me embarrassed the mud out of me. I thought I was being benevolent. And he handed her a hundred dollars. And I went, well, you... <laughs> I watched that man give people money and bless people everywhere he goes. There's a reason he has money and I didn't. He's benevolent. This, when I first started listening to him preach, Lisa and I will tell you this, it bothered me a little bit. I went, he preaches on money too all the time. Maybe God thought I needed it. Thank y'all. I got to tell on Justin now, where is he? He's in the back back there. Justin was talking about owning a raptor, and I tried to encourage him to get him a, a Ford Ranger based on what I'm paying him. But he'd been listening to Mark preach and he got an idea that God was bigger than his father or something. And he told me he was getting a raptor and I did not want him to be disappointed. And I told him what it would... If he got him a little Ford Ranger, two-wheel drive, one day he could get a Raptor. And he said, no, I have one now. Amen. And I just left him alone in his craziness. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes out to Louisiana, and we're out there, and Mark asked him did he wanted to buy his Ford F-150, and Justin said no. He'd already laid hands on the Raptor and claimed it. 
but he had been sowing toward it. Now, when Jesus said, whatever you desire, so dad had to eat crow when Justin's coming down the interstate in a new truck that he picked up from Mark in Louisiana and bought his raptor. I had to go, well, there is a God and I'm not him. But I'm glad that Justin is learning this. Listen to me, as a pastor, I don't put my faith in you. I can't. I do not get up in this pulpit and ever preach anything to get money out of you. Because some of y'all, I'm, I'm not going to rob you for any reason. I won't even let anybody get in my pulpit and rob y'all. You give according to your comfort zone. But you give it. And God will bless you. Now, I had to learn the hard way that God honors my faith. Lisa and I built a house on Effie Drive, and I built it for 72000 sold it for two eighty-five, put a quarter of a million dollars in the bank. That didn't come from you. Thank you all. God has blessed Lisa and I exceeding abundantly. A lot of the stuff that comes to her and I doesn't come through this church even at all. But we just keep obeying God, and we keep looking for places to be a blessing. And we keep sowing into the gospel. Let me share a couple more stories with you. I got a couple minutes. People who get mad at people like Kenneth Copeland because, they, because of his message on prosperity. Reinhard Bonnke had a meeting in Africa where one million people got saved. Is that Chensi? Who financed that meeting? Kenneth Copeland did. Until you've won a million people, you're going to have to lay off of Kenneth Copeland. Does that make sense? God wants you to become a blessing. He wants you to help people. The God you serve is not tight or stingy. But you are going to have to learn how to walk with Him. And there are times He's going to ask you to do things and you're going to have to trust Him. But He pays well. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything you ask or think. And he's able to make all grace abound toward you. That you having all sufficiency are able to, for every good thing. You, in other words, every time someone comes into town or someone needs money, you have the ability to say, I will, I will take care of that, Father. That's a part of your inheritance as being a king. Say, poverty, poverty. is a curse, and I won't have it. Next Sunday, I'm going to get into Cornelius. We're going to get into the story of Cornelius and some other things. Because Cornelius gave to the church, God sent a preacher to his house. It says that his giving came up before God. God watches your giving. That's amazing. And he watches the way you treat people. I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about all the time. He watches you closely.
And when he sees someone that's benevolent, God loves a cheerful giver. And some of you folks have helped us pay this building off. Next Sunday, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for Abraham's blessings and the grace of God to come on you. We're going to spend time teaching you how to get the lid off of you. The lid is this self-imposed amount of money you have based on your income and your intelligence. God can do past your job and your, 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 um, your schooling. I never went to college. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't need to. God didn't want me to. Everybody, I may hair let Bear Creek, but you don't have to go. If God tells you to go, and you need to be there for a reason, go. But just the whole college thing is a scam to make money. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't need to be there. And tell your parents that, because they don't know it. They're the worst ones in this church. And my kid need to get an education. Well, they got they graduate from high school, get them a Bible. The fear of God's beginning of knowledge. Send them to Bible school. Well, I need them to have a degree. Well, ain't nobody ever asked them for it yet. Thank you. I'm going to hair lip Bear Creek before we get out of here. I mean, the guy that owns Wendy's and never even graduated from high school. The guy that started Chick-fil-A, he don't even open on Sundays. Boom, glory to God. Kenneth Copeland was a fat, broke pilot. Well, the Holy Ghost changed that. The anointing will break the yoke. The anointing of God will break poverty off you. Say, my best days are ahead. Are y'all enjoying this so far? Okay. I have a lot more we want to talk about. I mean, I'm, I'm only, I actually got to page two out of four pages. And I hadn't even got started yet. I want you to believe right now and start believing for increase for you. Take the lid off of God. I don't mean that you believe you're a millionaire next week. But wherever you are, Justin came to me one time and said, Dad, how much did you make at Friday's? Six an hour? And he said, I make six an hour. And I said, you do? He said, yeah. I said, how much do you want to make? He said, well, I want to make 10. I said, well, Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive, you'll have it. How much do you make? He said, six. I said, how much do you make? He said, six. I said, how much do you make? He goes, 10. I said, all right. Next time I saw him, I said, how much you make? He says, 10. Well, about a month later, he got hired where, where Josh was. He started making, him, making $10 an hour. I looked at him. I said, how much you make? He said, 10. I said, how much you make? He said, 10. I said, how much you make? He goes, oh, 11. <laughs> and he learned. I'm going to do my best to teach you how to break from where you are. Some of you people have lived, barely get along street for way too long in your life. You walk in this church, we're going to get that mess off you. 
Your best days are ahead of you. You're going to help finance the gospel in the last days. And you're going to enjoy your life. I love walking in a restaurant and ordering what I want and not wonder whether I have the money to pay for it. It has not always been. Amen. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to get up this morning and preach the word. I know that in the world today, this is quite a tough subject because they, they're leaning so hard on, on socialism and the rich people need, owe somebody money. This is a pretty big deal right now. And we're going to break it off these young people and teach them how to do it your way. We're going to teach them how to prosper your way. They don't have to be broke. They can have nice houses. They can have nice. They can have nice. But they're also going to learn to seek first the kingdom. Put you first. I thank you for the for the people sitting here and all that they have done. And we ask you to bless them as they go about this week. And everything they put their hand to shall prosper. Hallelujah. Well, don't act too excited. Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God, say this, God loves a cheerful giver. And right after this, it says, God is able, say God is able, to make all grace abound toward me, that I having all sufficiency in all things can abound to every good work. Say I have all sufficiency in everything, emotionally, Physically, spiritually, financially, socially. He said he'll make all grace abound towards you. All grace. That you having sufficiency in every area. What area are you lacking today? You know what that is. God knows what it is. And you start saying, I have everything I need in that area. You might be socially depleted. You may not have any friends. God can bring sufficiency and just start thanking him for it. But before he said that, he said, be a cheerful giver. If you don't have a friend, be friendly to somebody. You don't have money, start giving it. Amen? Start giving away, and you'll start getting it back. If I could have my altar workers come up this morning, God so loved the world that he what? There you go. Let's hear it again. God so loved the world that he gave what was his first greatest gift to you his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life miss rosie if you'll come up over here on my right your left that would be great if you're here this morning and you have never received the gift of life from god the bible says today's the day of salvation don't walk out these doors without receiving jesus as lord and savior because there will be no guarantee for your life when you walk out those doors. There is a hell to shun. There is a heaven to gain. And we don't pull any punches on that. We love you. God loves you. And it's not an issue of how much God loves you. He loves every person that's in hell today. I hate the signs out there that says God loves you. Uh, it says, no, no, not those signs. The one that says God is not angry. He's not angry, but that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. He loves you. 
He poured his wrath on Jesus, the blood, but you got to receive it. He can love you all the way to hell because it's your choice. He's such a good God that he's letting you choose. He doesn't want you to be a robot. My husband doesn't want to lock me in the closet and make me love him. He wants me to love him because I want to love him. God made us, so he's the same way. If you're here this morning, you need God to move in your life. You need to be born again. You need prayer for healing. God said he'll answer your prayers. To agree, it shall be done. You get up here, you get someone to get an agreement with you that you're comfortable with, and God will answer the prayer. Right here, right now, not someday, he will start moving in your life this very second. He's just waiting on you to ask. So take the time, come up here. We're not in a hurry to leave. The rest of you, please exit the building very quietly. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.